you have your Bibles, go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to look into God's Word for the next uh, few moments. As many of you know, we're in a year-long series on the names of God, getting to know God by name. And I love the signs behind us, name above all names. And by the end of the year, that wall is going to be completely filled with the beautiful, wonderful names of God. Aren't you grateful for that? I pray that when you come to worship, that as you're worshiping, you'll be able to, you'll be able to look up there and identify that he is the God who's able. He's the God who's near. He's the God of all comfort. He is almighty God. And today we're looking at the name, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. You've got notes that are uh, provided for you this morning. Go ahead and get your notes out. And we're going to look at Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. amen. Jehovah Nisi is first found in Exodus chapter 15, uh, 17, verse 15, where the Bible says Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. It's later found in Isaiah where it says he will raise a banner for the nation. What, is, what does our banner mean? What does that mean? A banner is, is generally on a, on a high pole used to call attention to a case or rallying point. A banner is an outward expression of something that is happening inside of your heart. Your life is a banner. And I'm grateful that we have God as our banner. But today I really want to talk about, I want to talk about your banner. A banner is an outward expression of what you believe. It's an outward expression of, of, of who you are. It's an outward expression of your values, your principles, your beliefs used as a rallying point. Twelve tribes of Israel all had a flag and it all looked unique and different. Your flag and your banner is not going to look like mine. Mine's not going to look like yours. But every single one of us, we are a walking, living, breathing banner. And it's an outward expression that the world sees. And it's an outward expression of what you believe, your values, what you, what you are hanging on to, your principles that you live your life by. There's going to be a lot of flag waving today on Super Bowl Sunday. I just happen to have a couple, couple flags here today and, 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 and uh, in just a few hours, boy. Coach East. A lot of flag waving. People are crazy at these football games paint their bodies in all different colors and masks and all sorts of, there's going to be a lot of flag waving for the Kansas City Chiefs. I am an equal opportunity flag waver here today, so I'm also going to have a Go Eagles! Go 
Flags represent what you believe. They are an outward expression of your values, your principles. They reflect the real you. So I'm selfishly got a couple of flags here that I, I kind of I kind of really, really like. Got the master's flag is kind of, kind of a cool thing to, this is, this is one I really, really like. When you think of Scott George, I want you to think of the masters. I want you to think of fishing, waving the flag. This is, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I love doing. Waving the flag of fish. We're going we're gonna to get a little tension here in the next few moments. Go Knowles. And because I am a compassionate pastor that shows no favoritism whatsoever, I am going to unveil Golden Knights. And last but not least, Go Gators. Go dogs. <laughs> National champs. Go dogs. Now, this flag represents who you are. If you wave this flag, and, and this tells the world what you believe in and who you identify with. Now, it's all kinds of flags in the world. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do you a little favor here. And I'm going to tell you real gently and carefully, be very careful how you react to the next two flags. I'm just giving you a warning. This is being videotaped, and your reaction is all over the Internet. I've got so many flags up. Be very careful. Thank you. Be a good time to pray for our president, wouldn't it? Spend a lot of time criticizing our leaders. It's truth to be known, we probably spend more time criticizing than we do praying. And we're all guilty of it. I don't know what kind of flag you identify with, but every one of us have been given a blank slate. And you get to live your life and you get to put on your banner, and that represents you, what you believe, who you are. I don't want you to fill in my banner. I'm not going to fill in your banner, but your coworkers see every day 
what you believe in. Your family sees every day what you stand for. Your neighbors see every single moment what's important to you. It's a blank flag. You only get one. And I pray that as a, as a church, as individuals, we would take to heart what we stand for, what we believe, what is the outward expression of our heart to the world. And when they see us, they see us as a flag, as a banner, and you get to fill that in. You came in today and you were handed not only bulletin notes and sermon notes, but you were handed a blank sheet of paper. I, I wanted to give everyone a flag, but the finance committee kind of put a kibosh on that. So I thought, what a better way to, to, to give than just a blank sheet of paper. And if, if I were a parent, I would spend this week talking to your kids about your family banner, about what you believe, what you stand for. Take this as a flag and as an opportunity for you to illustrate who you are, what you believe, and what you stand for. I want to talk for just a couple of minutes about how do we pledge our allegiance. There's two flags behind me on the platform in addition to the 20 that I have here on the floor. One is an American flag and the other is a Christian flag. I don't know if you know this, but in 1897, Charles Overton made the Christian flag. It's to my right, it's to your left. It's a, it's a, it's a white flag that speaks of purity. It's a, got a little blue in there which speaks of baptism. And it's got a red cross which speaks of the blood. To my right, to your left, you see an American flag. How many times have you said the Pledge of Allegiance to the American flag? If I were to start it right now, I'd be able to recite it and, and you'd be able to articulate the beautiful flag and the Pledge of Allegiance to our flag. I'm wondering if there's anyone here today that knows the Pledge to the Christian flag. It's only 26 words. It, 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 uh, it says, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for which its kingdom stands. One brotherhood uniting all Christians in service and love. I don't know about you, but if I were to make my flag today, I would almost guarantee that the cross and the blood and the baptism and purity would be on my flag. What about you? What does your flag look like? How do I, how do I pledge my allegiance? And who do we pledge our allegiance to? I want to give you seven steps here on identifying how we pledge our allegiance. And if you're with me, this morning, let me hear an amen. How do I pledge my allegiance? What is your allegiance? It's your loyalty. It's your dedication. It's your fidelity. It's your devotion. It's your faithfulness. How do I pledge my allegiance? By number one, recognizing our true citizenship. We've got to recognize who our true citizenship is. Philippians chapter 3 verse 19 says, but our citizenship 
is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you today, church, Belisle Community Church, that our allegiance and our loyalty is first to the kingdom of God. We are Christians first, then we are Americans. And I think it's ironic that we've probably said the Pledge of Allegiance a million times growing up. How many times have we said the Pledge to the Christian flag? I want to remind you today, your allegiance, your loyalty is to the Christian flag and the kingdom for which it stands. We are Christian first, then American. I don't want to offend anybody here today, but I I, I need to remind you that God's not American. He's not Republican either. He's not Democrat. Our allegiance is first and foremost to the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Can I get an amen? amen? Number two, how do I pledge my allegiance? Watch this. By denying yourself daily. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, And he said to all of them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, you can't fit everything onto your flag. you got to let go of some things. And when you wave your banner and your flag, you are illustrating to the world what's important to you. And you've got to let go of some things so your flag will truly represent who you are. You've got to deny yourself and follow him. How do I pledge my allegiance? Number one, by recognizing our true citizenship. Number two, by denying ourselves daily. By number three, I love this one. We pledge our allegiance by following his word carefully. Everyone say carefully. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I love that verse of scripture. When I was uh, 18 years old, graduating from Edgewater High School in 1979, (laughs) my grandma was was, was a rock star when it comes to loyalty and dedication. No nonsense, holiness, she did not play games, she was serious about her loyalty and her dedication to Jesus Christ. It was a little scary for me growing up. She was intense. She would come down from Buffalo and stay with our family here in Central Florida for three months out of every year. And there would be times we'd be sitting watching the show Happy Days. And my grandma did not like the Fonz. She thought the Fonz was the Antichrist. And every time he came on, she would get up, turn the TV off, and tell our whole family, it's time to go to bed. Good night. And my dad got up, went to bed. My mom got up, went to bed. Chris and I got up, went to bed. That's just the way my grandma rolled. She was intense. She was hardcore. She gave me a Bible when I graduated. I didn't really appreciate it at the time. But when she handed me the Bible at my graduation, I was kind of expecting, you know, a $100 bill, which that didn't happen. She gave me a Bible. But inside the Bible 
was this scripture, Psalm 119. How can a young man stay pure? How can a family stay pure? How can a church stay pure? By carefully following God's word. I hope on your flag that there would be an indication of how important God's word is to you. I pray that on your banner that you would put somewhere in the banner the power of God's word and the importance of us as individuals and families and as a church to carefully follow God's holy word. It's the only way you stay pure in an unclean world. It's the only way you keep yourself from being polluted by the influence of the word. And that's by world, by following carefully the word of God. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That chorus speaks of a passion and an intensity to make sure that every single day we are carefully following God's holy word. You pledge your allegiance and your loyalty by making sure that you carefully follow God's holy word. If you're still with me, let me hear an amen. Number four, quickly, how do you maintain your allegiance? By combating compromise at all costs. You know that compromise is very subtle and it's very slow and it's very systematic, but little by little by little, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, there's a tendency for compromise to creep in. It doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen suddenly. It's a, it's a slow erosion. And we've got to be careful as we pledge our allegiance to God and his kingdom and his flag that we do not allow compromise to slowly creep in. It happens little by little, day by day, moment by moment. There's a story of a of a, of a pastor, United Methodist pastor, who, who uh, was at a church and uh, a very wealthy family gave a beautiful baby grand piano. And they said, Pastor, we're going to give you this piano with only one condition. I, I love that. I love when people give and they give conditions. They said, we want the piano to be center stage, right in the middle of the platform. Well, they bought the piano and they put it center stage and that pastor went on to another church and, and he, he came back about a year later and he walked in the sanctuary and he was absolutely amazed that the piano was no longer in center stage. It was all the way over to the far right. He was perplexed. He was like, how did that happen? This is crazy. That family said they were adamant. That piano stays center stage from now on. So he called the pastor now of the church and said, what happened? How were you able to pull that off? And the new pastor of the church said, every Sunday after church, I move that piano just a few inches. 
Pretty smart. Little by little, moment by moment, they'll never even notice that the piano's being moved. Bell Isle Community Church, you pledge your allegiance to God and his kingdom by recognizing that compromise comes, and it comes slowly and methodically, little by little, we got to make sure that our convictions and our principles are aligned to the word of God, and we do not allow compromise to come in at any cost. Number four, five. How do you... uh, Pledge your allegiance to the kingdom by honoring God with your time, your talent, and your treasure. This, this Lent, we're focusing on the opportunity for you to begin tithing if you don't tithe. We've got a wonderful opportunity in just a, uh, the week after Easter. I'm going to be going down to Las Tunas, our sister church in Cuba. And we're going to be bringing them a, a, a generous gift. That the, the, the church is exploding in Cuba. Filled to capacity. Spirit-filled believers that are on fire for God. What a wonderful opportunity for me to go down as your pastor and bring to them a gift to bless our sister church in Cuba. We, we do that when we honor God with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Matthew 6, Seek first, everyone say first, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I call it the first principle. The first of your time, the first of your day, the first of your giving, that's how you proclaim your allegiance and your loyalty and your dedication to the king and his kingdom. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number six, how do you proclaim your allegiance? By contending for the faith. Now, let's camp out here just a few more minutes. Look at Jude chapter 1. I'm going to look at this scripture just for a few moments. Contending for the faith. Look what, look what the writer says in Jude chapter 3. Dear friends, I like that. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge. Everyone say urge. So watch this now. There's an urgency now in his writing. He says, I'm writing to you, and I feel, I feel compelled to, to write, and I urge you, here it is, to contend for the faith, for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Everyone say the word contend. That word there, contend, means to struggle earnestly. Contend For the faith. Every once in a while, I think it's good to fight. There's some things that are worth fighting for. And I think sometimes Christians, I think we're a little too nice. The Bible says clearly that you are to fight the good fight of faith. Every once in a while, 
is good to fight. See, you've got a banner, and you've got to fight for that banner. You've got to fight for what you believe. You've got to fight for your standards. You've got to fight for your convictions. Because there's a world out there that's trying to pollute you and your family and your banner, and you as men and women of God, you've got to stand up and say, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. It's okay to fight. I give you permission as your pastor to fight. That doesn't mean be ugly. It doesn't mean be, be mean-spirited. It doesn't mean to be non-biblical about it. But if you're going to pledge your allegiance to a kingdom and a king, every once in a while, you've got to contend for the faith. Fight, the good fight of faith. There's another word that I want you to look at that, that, that really I've really never heard, and I, I, I researched this, and powerful uh, uh, demonstration here. He says, I want you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. Do you know, those in the balcony and those on the lower floor, you and I have been entrusted with the gospel. We've got to contend to make sure that we stay pure and on target following God's word. That word there, entrusted, is an interesting word. It means to hand over to another. To hand over to another. Let me, let me illustrate this just for a few moments. If you're still with me, let me hear an Amen. All right, uh, David and Michelle, you guys come on up here. Jim, come on up here. Bruce, can I use you and, and, and uh, Lori? Come on up here, Lori. David, why don't you come stand over here? There you go. You there. Michelle, you go stand there. Jim, you come back over here. You there. Bruce, you're going to come over here. And then Lori, you come over here. Everyone's saying trust. Jim, come stand. This is symbolic of the gospel. The writer of Jude says, I want you to contend for the faith because you have been entrusted. It's going to come to you, but you're not going to hang on to it because you're going to give it away to your children and your children's children. Children's children's children. I'm entrusting you, and I want you to contend for the faith. So watch this. This came from Moses and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Paul and Peter and John Wesley and Billy Graham, and Charles Spurgeon, and Oral Roberts. The gospel comes to us, and as a church, we have been entrusted with this beautiful gospel. So it comes now with a history, and it comes now to David, 
And David has now received that incredible gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's some things in the gospel that David doesn't like. It doesn't feel good. And so, David, I want you just to rip out a couple pages from that gift and, and just, just rip them out. It's okay. Yeah, just throw it on the ground there. That's good. Uh, go to the New Testament, something in the New Testament, and find whatever you don't like and just, just, just rip it out. One more. Find one more there. So now David passes this beautiful gift of the gospel to Michelle, and Michelle's not going to rip pages out of the gospel. She's not that kind of person. She just, she's just going to throw it down and just stomp on it and, 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 and throw a hissy fit. There you go. Just, oh, good. Good. Michelle, do that again. Scream. Scream while you do it. You ever read the Bible and you, you don't like it and you just want to scream? You mean I got to give I got to give to the poor? I got to be I got to be kind to people I don't like? I don't like this. So I'm either going to rip it out or throw it down and have a hissy fit or Michelle you pass it on to Jim and now we see what Jim does. Jim is sophisticated and and, and Jim is just going to take a marker and just, just, I want you just to X through a couple things that just don't feel right to you and a couple things you don't like. Just go ahead, big X. There you go, good. Go to the Old Testament, find something in the Old Testament. Mark it up with a big cross, good. One more, Jim. Yeah. Jim's just going to X right through it. Thank you, Jim. And you contend, and you now entrust that to Bruce. And Bruce is going to help me illustrate what I think some people do sometimes. Is It's called sugarcoat <laughs> Christianity. You know, we're just, this is a little bit too hard. This is not politically correct. The experts say we shouldn't talk about this, so let's just put some sugar on it and sugarcoat it so people can feel good. <laughs> a lot of churches, a lot of ministries, just going to Take what they don't like and just sugarcoat it. We've been entrusted with a beautiful gospel. And some people mark through it 
Some people throw temper tantrums. Some people rip it out. Some people sugarcoat it. And then Lori is last of all. And Lori says, let's just water it down. Now, the challenge here today is some of you are more worried about the wet carpet than you are the fact. <laughs> we got a watered-down gospel. It's not politically correct. And we water it down. And at the end... After people have marked it up, ripped it up, added sugar to it and watered it down, you got a sloppy gospel. See, we've been entrusted with a gospel that cannot be watered down. It cannot be x through. It cannot be sugar-coated. It cannot be ripped out. This is a sloppy gospel. And the writer of Jude said, I'm entrusting you, Belal Community Church. I'm entrusting you with the gospel. Make sure that when it's in your hands, you take care of it, you honor it, and you pass it down from generation to generation. Now, where's my Bible? Oh, there it is. <laughs> now, by the way, that wasn't a real Bible. I bought it at Goodwill for 25 cents. <laughs> you don't have to send me an email. <laughs> but here's my Bible that I use. And David, I entrust this to you. There's going to be some things you don't like in it. There's going to be some things you don't understand. There's going to be some things that you're uncomfortable with, but I entrust you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Contend for the faith, and, and, and I entrust you to pass it on. And then you pass it on to Michelle. And Michelle, who looks differently than David, acts differently than David, she takes that gospel and she is entrusted with it to pass it down. And she takes that gospel and she passes it to the next. Contend for the faith. You've been entrusted with it. Handle it carefully. Handle it respectfully. Handle it. As God's living word. And then Jim passes it on to Bruce. With reverence. With respect. With dedication. And Bruce passes it on to Lori from generation to generation to generation. And in the end. You've got a glorious church. Without spot or wrinkle. Washed 
in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, she's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, guys. Belle Isle Community Church, contend for the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And be entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ as you pledge your allegiance to Jesus and Jesus alone. And then number seven, Bruce, if you'll come up to the keyboard. Number seven. There's a lot of people in your life that are out to pollute your banner. There's a lot of influences out there that are trying to corrupt. Pure religion is to keep oneself from being polluted by what? By the world. You've got friends, you've got influences, you've got neighbors, you've got co-workers, you've got family members that are out to corrupt your banner. Take the cross off. Don't talk about the blood. Put something on that is user-friendly. Make sure that as believers, as a church, number, number seven, we are, you are eliminating unhealthy, unholy, and unproductive relationships. There's friends. There's influences you have to evaluate in your life and there are some times where you need to make a decision to remain pure and holy and upright before God and to undo and eliminate anything that's unholy, unproductive. I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. I don't know if you saw the Grammys this week. I didn't see it. I heard about it. Tremendous influence in our culture of ungodliness and unpurity and unholiness. She's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Evaluate your life, your friends, your influences. Make sure that you make the decision to eliminate anything that's unproductive or unhealthy so you can follow Jesus with all of your heart. Can I get an amen?